Hello, 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 hello. Oh my God, Sussex Squad Nation, good morning. Happy Sunday to you. Oh, happy evening. Happy Sunday evening. <laughs> exactly right, wherever they are um, listening. So, um, yeah, my goodness, there's so much buzz. There's so much going on in... <laughs> On YouTube, the internet is just on fire. What is going on uh, for you to um, judge and Charles? So how are you guys doing? Well, I am happy to report that I have moderately curbed my chocolate consumption. <laughs> moderately. <laughs> That's sure? pretty substantial. It's progress. I have to say, I'm proud of you. It's are progress. you sure about that? I have increased my consumption of hot cross buns, though. Oh, my God. So the summer is here. coming, guys. Baby steps. We need to watch out for our ways. This is true. I've Basically, what I've done is that I've sacrificed lunch for hot cross buns. Mm, twice so, so I've just eliminated uh, an entire meal so I can. Is that an English thing or is it an American thing? Uh, it's from my mom. Like, she's very big on it. So I'm assuming that it's. Well, it's your English. mom is very British. She's exceptionally she, British. She's what? Well, you know, they will call her the. Uh, what is it? The, the English rose. She's so pale and so white. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's cold blood. That's, that's news to me. I didn't, didn't know that was Well, thing. she is a white woman. <laughs> so, of course, they will consider her the English rose. And they, <laughs> that's the first I've heard it mentioned like that, but sure. Mention what? <laughs> oh, my God. What about you, George? No, like I said, I'm, it's you. You suggest watching our waistlines. I think I'm just going to instead look for larger clothes at the store, so I can, <laughs> I can continue as is. Oh my God! What about last week, guy? Last week was was crazy. I mean, I must say it probably was the most difficult show I had to do um, because it wasn't really planned, and I think I didn't realize how much I was holding, because normally you, you guys know me, uh, um, George and Charles, um, that I'm very happy, constantly dancing around and buncing around. And I usually sort of, you know, put my blinders on most of the time, not that I'm not in tune of what's going on in the world. It just said that just the way I just function, you know what I mean? It'll be another day, hopefully tomorrow will be better. But I think with everything we all been through the past couple of years now with you know um you know the word that we should not say the illness what caused us to wear masks and of course you know there were so many killings that was going on and i think i was bottling up all this up i don't know why i've never brought them to my therapist actually and um yeah i think what set me off was what happened to Dr. Shaw when she received this letter. I guess everyone, for everybody, I'm assuming there's always this thing. And it could be as small as a needle that will just set you off from everything that you've been holding on, you know. And just that's what happened. I just was like, it, it, it just, I went off a bit, you know. It, it's, I studied it going you know, into the past and, and to figure out how we end up here. And so it was a very difficult show. So I thank you, Sussex Squad, to, for your kindness, for your words, for your encouragement. 
and to really listen to what was probably not just difficult for me, probably difficult for you guys. So thank you so much. So, um, guys, what is happening in the world of, you know, our wonderful ginger prince and our princess Megan? Sure. So what is going on? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of getting better, look at your boy. So yesterday, Penguin Random House uh, hosted a global live stream event with Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, and also, obviously, as we all know, the author of the number one bestseller, Spare. And then for next week, Better Up. Five, five weeks and maybe going on six weeks, if not, you know, number um, New York Times bestseller. Yeah, I think that's probably going to go on for a while, I would assume. But yes, mm-hmm. congratulations to him, to them both. Uh, the next is obviously Better Up, as we mentioned last week. It's going to be March 7th and 8th in San Francisco. It's going to be the immersive summer trying to help leaders to lead better. I hope everybody tuned for that because I think there's so much we could learn from that, even in our sort of business and how we move around the world. And I think this is, again, why it's so important, the work that they are doing and why we are here as the Sussex Squad Nation to support and, and, and support them because there's so many people that um, need those help. Do you understand what I mean? Because, I mean, just the fact that, you know, now we're able to talk about mental health, something that used to be taboo, right? Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. So um, I'm happy for that and I'm here for it. And let's not forget, Perhaps one of the most important things. Living my best life. Eating dinner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my God. But um, I think we should start with the service, shouldn't we? <laughs> sure. We could keep talking about food. It's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't be afraid. We are society, built on love, built on tolerance, built on love for each other, acceptance. Give them love, give them love. Don't matter what you look like, don't matter what you believe, but just believe in love. I'm talking to Philly, I'm talking to London, I'm talking to DC. Sussex Squad Nation, today's service, it's a very interesting one. It's about a woman that I have not really talked about much here. Uh, it's a woman that I must say everybody know who she is around the world. Maybe I think they do. And maybe I'm just the only person who really don't know much Beside things that's been reported on the news, on the internet. But I find myself, it is time that I know who she is and really talk about her because she is, she is the one. She is the one that we all need to have our focus on at the moment. Because up to this point, Miss Kamala, am I pronouncing 
her name was. Is it Kamala or Camilla? Pamela. What is it? I don't know. It's not, you, definitely not Pamela. If you look at the it's people Camilla on the it's Kamala Bowles. Kamala, if you ask. Kamala Bowles. Kamala Bowles. Parker. Parker. Oh, it's Kamala Parker Bowles. Exactly. Soon to be Something. queen of. What is the other word? England. <laughs> no, I said I would not call her queen in this service or in any service. I will hope I don't do that. And she is queen consort, right? Consort. Mm-hmm. Consort. Correct. Correct. Queen mm-hmm. consort. Um, I think it's time that we look into who she is, what she is, and what she's about. Because I think that would inform me, inform us here, because even you guys, I'm not sure how much you guys know about her as well, right? Nope, no, not very so much. So I think it will inform us a little bit, you know, how to address her, how to speak about her. I think that's important. It is important. And I will just say, as a side note, I'm very excited for what's coming at the end of the service. It's a very special treat. <laughs> and so I hope that all of you have a chance to listen to, to the end because it's uh, something we, we enjoy very much, uh, Charles and I. But I do think before we can really continue with the show, we must disclaim, you know, we, we have to have what we, you know, be responsible every week and do our disclaimer. Would you please? Yes, it is important because this is church, but this is not a church with evangelical missions. We are not trying to convert anyone to change their religion, change their beliefs, uh, or anything like that. We are here talking about what we believe to be important. We are here to support Harry and Meghan. We are here because we know that the work that they are doing is bigger than just them, uh, and it matters. And so we're here to ask questions, really. Um, because some things don't always make sense and they're worth talking about. Uh, and when we ask those questions, they can help us get to a place of better understanding so that we can better serve uh, and support Harry and Meghan. Absolutely, because I think uh, it matters because these questions, you know, um, and like everything else matters because that's how they impact society overall right so if we're not asking the question then we are sleeping mm. and we don't want to do that i mean after all they call us the woke <laughs> generation and so sussex squad nation this is the words for you as well as the boys that were in here we would love to look at the word plot Takeover and revenge. I feel like that sounds like almost like a starting of a novel. So, Charles and George, can you walk me through what are the meanings of these words? Sure. I'll take on plot. So, for plot, it's actually a, a fairly interesting term. So first of all, let's just decide and discuss what it's not. So obviously we're not referring to a piece of land. We're not going to reference a sequence of events like a plot of a novel. But there is an, another one, something more sinister and more of a scheme. It's a plan made in secret by a group of people to do something illegal or harmful. And the emphasis that we should focus on now is actually on secret and we have to thank the French in terms of actually the origin of the word. Mm, the French, huh? 
It's true. It's true, but it's actually interesting looking at kind of the the usage and where it got its uh, start. It's not definitive, but the the Oxford English Dictionary says that the the usage probably became widely known in connection with the gunpowder plot, which, as many will know, especially those who love history, the gunpowder plot is uh, the the Guy Fox uh, story in terms of the attempted assassination and blowing up the House of Lords and and all of that. So something that's certainly um, topical as it relates to the history of, of uh, Great Britain. Remember, remember the 5th uh, of November. So, George, um, what about takeover? Takeover is interesting too, but not for the for a different reason. It's not nearly as uh, storied a term. It's actually fairly new in its usage. Um, it is the act of assuming control of something. Very, very straightforward in the actual definition. But what is interesting about it is that it is so young. It's generally used in the context of uh, corporate takeovers mm. so as a business veneer. Uh, the first time was actually the, that it's attested to being used was in 1958. So before that, there was really, um, as it relates to nations and governments and entities, it was more specific terms that were being used like conquest or mm-hmm. uh, conquering and different things like that. Wow. And Charles, what is revenge? Well, I, I think revenge to me actually is seems much more of a literary Mm. kind of device just because there's always a plot and so you always have there's a thing that happened there's basically somebody who who had some sort of action taken against them and then they have revenge against that person so for me it's always in like some sort of literary context but the actual definition is the action of inflicting harm or hurt on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands so this first is actually kind of from the late middle english uh and also from the old french of um Sure. And then from the late Latin of revendicar from uh, and obviously uh, expressing an intensive force in vindicar as in claim revenge. So all very interesting. And obviously as it's from the late Latin not a new thing. Wow. So, um, yeah. So these three words, how did this come about? Why are we here to ask these questions? Well, the thing that's interesting is before you even, before you even, um, get to whatever any of those questions are, I think we've, we've hinted to our, our, uh, service members, those who are attending a service today who are listening in, uh, what the subject matter is really going to be about, where this is going, because it is important to understand what a plot is, what is a takeover, mm-hmm. and what is a revenge, and how those relate to each other. And and as you said, what we need to do is we need to ask some questions about who is this woman? Who Absolutely. Who's her back? Where does she come from? What is she doing here? Mm-hmm. And so we can really better understand the current situation. Absolutely, because... From my perspective, is that um, this service is really truly about asking questions, and the questions are: Have there been clues from Harry's book? Is it time to ask questions about these clues? And what I mean by clues, we'll get into it a little bit later on in the show. 
But before I go any further, who is she? Where did she come from? Well, if you do a quick Google search, like literally a very quick Google search, it will show you that Camilla's great-grandmother was Alice Keppel. And Alice Keppel was famously the favorite mistress of King Edward VII. Oh, wow. And if you go a little bit farther than just the, the quick Google search, there was actually a book from Diana Suhami. I think I'm pronouncing that right. In 1998, that was a New York Times notable book of the year. Uh, is titled Mrs. Keppel and Her Daughter. And the the book summary, in terms of uh, what, what uh, Diana Suhami talks about in the book, uh, is as follows. It says, Al Alice Keppel, the married lover of Queen Victoria's eldest son and great-grandmother to Camilla Parker Bowles, was a key figure in Edwardian society. Hers was the acceptable face of adultery. Discretion was her hallmark. It was her art to be the king's mistress, and yet to laud the royal family and the institution of marriage. Formidable and manipulative, her attentions to the king brought her wealth, power, and status. Her daughter, Violet Trefusis, had a long, tempestuous affair with the author and aristocrat Vita Sackville West, during which Vita left her husband and two sons to travel abroad with Violet. Wow. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I think that apple's still hanging on the tree. That's right there. I mean, that's pretty remarkable to have that many in in order in a family of people who do the same thing. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Talk about lessons learned. Jeez. I mean, I would never thought I would be having this conversation in a church service. But what is the essence of a mistress? Well, you're not having this conversation in church service. You go back to the Old Testament. That is That is right there. That's actually fairly common. Absolutely. But I think for many of us, we looked at mistresses in a very different way. Not that, of course, I have any problem with mistresses, even though what it stands for in our society. And um, normally, mistresses have a lot things throw at them and maybe well-deserved sometime, but um, very often criticize. And I always think it's so unfair at times because it seems like the men always get away with the action itself being involved with someone else beside their wife. And so... I like to believe sometimes there is this relationship that's happened that sometimes the woman is not even aware that, you know, the man has a wife. So to any mistresses out there, it's really not about you, but this particular mistress, it's something different. And I think it's something worth looking into and see what is going on there because, and, and I, and I also thinking maybe it's my own naivete. If because they both was married, does it, she still hold the mystery status, or is it something else? Or am I naive, or is it all on the same thing? It's an interesting question of whether or not they. Um, well, I think you're right to take a step back. There's too often in this society, uh, we are very quick to just blame the women. 
um, there's not even a male term. There's not even a male corollary for mm-hmm. the term mistress, just to show you that that's something that it's not even, we don't even have the vocabulary to blame men. So I think that point is, is certainly an important one to bring up. Um, but to your question of, is it different when the woman is also married? Uh, it's an interesting question, certainly not one that I feel equipped to answer. But one thing that I do think is also interesting to inject is, as we always do, what what is the definition, right? If you look up the definition of a mistress, it's really interesting because the first, not even the, the, the first definition doesn't even have anything to do with what we're talking about right now. The first definition mm-hmm. is a woman in a position of authority or control. Mm. That's the main usage of the word mistress. The second one is a woman having an extramarital uh, relationship, especially with a married man. But the first one is is the position of power. And if you go, I mean, just just to not even move on too quickly from it, that that book summary. If you were to change, if you were to change the names, as opposed to it being about Alice Keppel, and you just read it again and and, and kind of think about what's happening today. Say she writes, it was her art to be the king's mistress and yet to laud the royal family and the institution of ma- marriage. Formidable and manipulative. Her attentions to the king brought her wealth, power, and status. And that's exactly my point. And this is why we are now asking these questions. Because when you looked at the royal water, what this stand for, when you looked at the tabloids, what they stand for. I mean, this should be scandal that's go on for century. How does this woman able to survive this? Yes, what we were talking about before. The Rota have destroyed so many women in society. I mean, so they, many you know, lives. Even if really? you don't look at Megan, look at everyone else mm-hmm. that they focus their attentions on and have crippled their careers, ended what they've been doing, brought them down. And, and as we've said, a lot of times, unfortunately, even contributed uh, almost certainly to mental health issues that people have had. This, this is the force that the media has and what they have done to so many women for so much less than this story that Camilla has as her family's. My goodness. We don't need to go far. Let's look at, you know, the princess of Wales, the only one princess Diana, look what ends her life. So, and the person that's probably contributing, if I may say so myself, it's running scot-free and today will be queen consult. And there I said, she, I think now she's, there's talk about it. You know what? Allegedly that she was not just con, queen consult is not enough. Now she's going to need to be called queen. So my question is, who is behind this? What is the force behind this woman that making this possible for her to survive? You know, the press. And the reality of it all is, is that when you, right now at this moment, right, we're having conversation, so many conversation about, you know, sort of Charles, we're talking, we're having conversation about, you know, um, Harry's brother and his wife and so many things that's going on, but we barely touch anything about this woman. 
I mean, we're thinking, I mean, no discrimination of any older, gorgeous, beautiful woman in the world. I mean, I can't wait to really kind of get in to my 70s and 80s and still doing it. You know, <laughs> I have a long way to go, but I imagine, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to do my thing. But the media would normally will destroy anyone that is just young and beautiful. And if you not fit that mo, I mean, you wouldn't even have like, you would not even be at the, in the door. And it's not like there's not a window for them to, to consider doing it. I mean, Megan's been not seen for how many months now? This woman is about to be, is, is married to the man who is about to be king. They have plenty of opportunity to spend time talking about it. There's plenty of reference material if you go and look at the history, but they have chosen not to. That is exactly my point. When you're looking at how we start the service, by looking at the words, takeover, plot, revenge, is it fair now to ask the question, is this woman... It's taking over. Is she holding the media hostage? Well, that is the question I was going to get to. And I know what you guys will say, Lady Sussex. I mean, just two weeks ago that you were saying that, you know what, is the media, it's uh, um, planning to, you know, destroy the royal family. And then now you're telling us that, you know what, hey, um, it's the media's possibly been hostage. Yeah, I, 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 I know that the thing is, is it's questions, right? And so when I'm looking at right now, what is happening? And I see the media is almost like powerless in some ways that like it just does not make any sense. Well, powerless against with, within the context of this woman, right? Absolutely. And I mean, the Daily Mail announcing and, redundancy plans. And the way I studied thinking things based on conversation you know the streets is having is that you're looking at this woman right everything that they're projecting onto Megan a beautiful princess it's everything that you know maybe some people will describe this woman mm -hmm. so in that sense, is the reason why the press is going about it like that because the, 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 they know that, you know what, we know it's all lies. They know that, you know what, we have receipts. Is it their own way try to send us a signal on what is happening? Or am I wrong to look at it that way? And when you think of what Harry say, maybe we should play this part or, uh, um, you know, on the screen and his last interview. And it's felt like it's coming out of nowhere when he made that statement. You wrote that she started a campaign in the British press to pave the way for a marriage. And you wrote, 
I even wanted Camilla to be happy. Maybe she'd be less dangerous if she was happy. Mm-hmm. How was she dangerous? Because of the need for her to rehabilitate her image. That made her dangerous? That made her dangerous because of the connections that she was forging within the British press. And there was open willingness on both sides to trade of information. And with a family built on hierarchy, and with her on the way to being queen consort, there was going to be people or bodies left in the street because of that. Harry says over the years he was one of those bodies. He accuses Camilla and even his father at times of using him or William to get better tabloid coverage for themselves. Prince Harry writes Camilla, quote, sacrificed me on her personal PR altar. If you are led to believe as a member of the family that being on the front page, having positive headlines, positive stories written about you is going to improve your reputation or increase the chances of you being accepted as monarch by the British public, then that's what you're going to do. And I started thinking about why was that being a part of the end? Why was that part the first thing that kind of like talk about? And I started looking at that word in everything that they would say in a very different lens. The fact is, is that, you know what, they would do anything, and I'm paraphrasing here, to th- willing to throw him under the bus just for this woman to look good. Was that too a clue for us? I mean, I feel like his book is filled with clues and i think maybe perhaps that's how we need to look at it when we're reading it because i know princess diana when it it was over she wore this incredible dress which they call the revenge dress right and so i wonder it's now if this woman kamala pamela that who's soon to be, or maybe already, queen consort, right? It's basically laughing at everybody said, well, you will say. This is her revenge? Well, that's what it looks like. And is the plot, it's the people that are around her who completely dismantle what we come to know what the media is usually about, and she's getting away with it. Sussex Squad Nation, Charles and George, is it possible this woman has managed to, whatever she had against the press, she managed to be architect of this takeover? Well, I think to some people listening, that might seem like a far-fetched question to be even asking, but if you pause and you think about it, it isn't actually that crazy of a question because just go through the, the hypothetical in your head, right? What would a takeover plot look like? In a in a takeover plot, what would you do? You would divide, you know, the, the, the phrase that everyone always says in terms of strategy is divide and conquer. So you'd divide the family, you'd pit them against each other, you would cause distractions, You'd force everyone to pay attention to something else instead, to not look at what's really going on. You would do your best to remain undercover, to remain out of sight, out of people's minds, while at the same time still establishing precedents that you would later use. 
you would find a way to control the media in order to better control the narrative and achieve all of those other objectives. And, and interestingly enough, you would learn from experience. You would learn from those who came before you. You'd find a way to perfect your strategy based on those previous mistakes uh, to be able to achieve that. And, I mean, for us sitting here, that's that's at least kind of if you just objectively think about what a, a takeover plot could look like, it doesn't actually seem like that far-fetched a question. Maybe, maybe Camilla, too, has been reading The Art of War. Wow. It's a completely, I mean... It just starting. I, I I don't know. It it feel like we are up to something. No, I mean, is it a completely takeover to destroy the Windsor? I mean, if you think about it, you know, obviously this is my own opinion, but I I have to agree with George. I don't think it's far fetched at all. And a matter of fact, when you start thinking about it, she's she's not new. This lady has been around forever. She has been in Charles's life since he was a young man, well before marriage. And the likelihood that she has been manipulating him this entire time is fairly high. I mean, something that I quite find I find very interesting. And at the time, I mean, obviously we looked at, you know, um, Harry's brother as this really awful brother. I mean, very disappointed in him. But there was something Harry say, and I'm paraphrase, that you are spitting stuff from the media that you heard from the media. And we all know where these things come from. And you wonder, to your point, Charles, where that's come from to get him so angry, so upset. I mean, we know him. He's that, you know, he's just a hothead anyway. But it will make sense that you will want to fuel that, right? So is there a takeover under Windsor? Is there, are, are we in a place here we should start intending the possibility of a new royal family? I mean, the plot thickens every day with this story. Is this woman tried to take over everything and just manipulate Charles and just turn the brothers against each other? I mean, it really, it, it's one of those things. It's probably a shocking thing for people to hear. But if you, if you stop, if you kind of separate the emotional reaction of it and just think about it objectively, really, like those ingredients that would be necessary for a, a plot to succeed, for a takeover to succeed, those ingredients are all there. The question is whether or not it is part of a strategy with intent to achieve that. And honest to goodness, if you look at if you look at history, if you look at what came before, as you look at the family that Camilla comes from, the idea that there may actually be that intent and that strategy is not that far fetched. All the madness, nobody has gotten her POV. She seems like she's just going under the radar. What are her son going to be? That is my question. Because starting to hear these rumors, the role that they may or the gun child may play for 
the big event. It's especially important, especially when you look at what they have been doing to Archie and Lily from day one. How they've been trying to, to push them aside to not give them their titles, not give them their protection, not do all of these things. And then it, it is certainly it is a question that needs to be asked. And, you know, it just again, I'm asking again, was Harry sending us clue from his interview and as well the book? Because, you know, the book released right on time. To be able to entertain these questions. To provoke the question, yeah. Exactly. And I think, I mean, to, to go back to what Charles was just saying about Camilla having been in Charles's life from such an early age, that uh, there's, this, there's this quote um, of what Diana had said, uh, that she had referred to uh, Camilla as the Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, okay, sure, kind of funny, whatever, in, in and of itself, because you can imagine why she's upset at this third person in her marriage. So, of course, she's going to have some choice words for, for that person. But what's interesting is if what you, you go beyond it. And according to Simone Simmons, the what Diana said was that she called her a Rottweiler because once she has her, gotten her teeth into something, she won't let go. And if you mm. think about that, her being in Charles's life from the beginning, she got her teeth into him then, and then she's maybe she just hasn't let go. And she now she's going to be with her as queen. Not by us. But I think that was her plan the entire time. This is, again, my own perspective on the matter, is that um, if you look at it with kind of one eye squinted and kind of your head turned, I find it kind of strange that one of her sons is leading at the mail and obviously involved with media. She is not being attacked by media. She's somehow not at all. She we know some, nothing about her family. Right. So she, so this is very unusual that she has, as you mentioned many times during the show, that she has somehow flown underneath the radar. Like, and she's not a nobody. She's clearly married to the, to the, the, the future King. So how is all this possible? Well, she would have to have paid a price, right? Absolutely. Like, like, so like the question everybody. is, what is the price? What was she able to give the media in order to buy her safe and sanctuary? What was it? Well, pay or well, leverage I, the I media. don't know if we can even say pay in the media because really for the way the media was happening to the media and how the numbers was going down and the viewer, you know, I mean, it just like, it, it feels like there is something else that we need to look at. There is That's something else more. That's my point. My point is when I say pay, it's not necessarily monetarily. My point is, is that basically she has some sort of leverage and in that leverage, perhaps it's the fact that, you know what, this has been going on forever. She's the ultimate insider. Where has all this information been coming from? Where are all these major leaks happening from? But I, more than that, the fact that she get the media to actually, you know, allegedly, we don't know, but I mean, we are speculating and we are just asking the question is that I feel like she's untouchable, but she's untouchable for a reason. That's my point. And the reason may be is that she's the one providing all this information. Why would they throw their canary that down not the coal mine? That should not be enough because if you think about 
for any ladies or any of the women enter the family, right? They've been through some stuff with the press. Of course, like Princess Meghan will say, you know, there's a difference between rude and just completely being what they have been to her. And I get that. And it's so true. But we are not about to witness something that had not happened in 70 years. And by now, you thought that it would be nonstop coverage, not just about her as a person, who she is, but about her family, as they have done to any other monarch before. Even just the simple of even Mary into the family, you, you, you get like... Look how much attention was I mean, put on, on Doria and, and on Megan's father. Absolutely. <laughs> and everybody else. So how could we now, or at least, and maybe everybody knows about her family, who, is, who they are, because I don't, but I just not seen it. I'm not seeing the nonstop every day, you know, who they are, what they do, who their children, who's their grandchildren, and everything, everything that you would expect and associate to the tabor media, because right now they should be making, be making money. There should, have, there should have been some type of excitement. And it didn't have to be really all bad things. I mean, of course, you know, the media is going to do what they're going to do. But the point that I'm trying to make here, how are we now just a few months away to this major event? And this woman, it's about to crown queen consul and later on to be called queen allegedly from what's been saying. And we know absolutely not much about her life, her family's life, beside what we saw in history. But what about the new, the, the new bloods? Well, well, the question is, why hasn't she been just carried through the mud like everyone else? And I'm not even talking about carrying her to the mud. I mean, there's many reasons why she should be. But I'm just saying, I need to have an essence. I need to know. Who is her family? Who is she? I think that's exactly right. The question is, has Camilla been the architect, the master manipulator behind all of this chaos? And where is that power coming from to dominate everyone, if that is the case? Because when you look at the full picture and then you include kind of the history of, of where she comes from and you really pay attention, the question is what seems to be true? Camilla was also following a family tradition of a special type of royal service. Her great-grandmother, Alice Keppel, had been King Edward's mistress. She was a very vivacious, very attractive, very charming woman, very sensuous kind of woman. There was Italian blood in her family. And um, so, in a way, she caught his eye, and uh, he never really looked back. He was very taken with her. She was the perfect king's mistress. King Edward VII was a very restless, very difficult man. She knew exactly how to handle him. So she was, as I say, the perfect mistress for a king, for a man like him. Edward VII, you know, the man with, with so many mistresses that were allegedly sort of rules as to how the mistress should behave, and uh, one of them sort of explained how a mistress was supposed to behave, uh, that you curtsied first, called him sir, and then jumped into bed. Uh, <laughs> there was actually a sort of court etiquette uh, for the mistress. In those days, there was no scandal about that kind of thing. The general public didn't know about it at all. If photographs of them appeared in British newspapers, then her face would be airbrushed out. You would see her hat, you would see her dress, but you wouldn't actually see who it was. In that way, the newspapers were very discreet about it. 
Alice Keppel played the perfect wife, but rumours surrounded the birth of her second child. There were two daughters, there was Violet and there was Sonia, and uh, as the second daughter, Sonia, was born after Alice Keppel had met the then Prince of Wales, it's quite likely that, that he was her father. No one can know this kind of thing for sure, but I think it is more than likely that um, the future King Edward VII was Sonia Keppel's father. If true, then Sonia passed on royal blood to her granddaughter, Camilla. Born in 1947, the year Alice Keppel died, Camilla was the first child of Sonia's daughter Rosalind and Major Bruce Shaw. At his 50th party, she wore this aquamarine and diamond necklace. It belonged to her great-grandmother, Alice Keppel, mistress of King Edward VII, Charles's great-great-grandfather. Charles is fascinated by today's repetition of their great romance. He goes out of his way to find jewellery which belonged to her great-grandmother, Alice Keppel. Uh, he wants to revisit history, and what he's done is gone out of his way to try and find all the jewellery which King Edward VII gave to Alice Keppel and give it back to Camilla. Now, you can call it sentimental, or you can call it what you want. Some would call it expensive. Charles learned that a well-kept mistress can cost as much as a wife. Camilla wears clothes from Versace, one of Diana's favourite fashion labels. The princess wore a Versace gown in Chicago in 1996. Tall, slim, and elegant, she was an iconic style setter. Glamour gowns are less suited to the more matronly figure, as Camilla has discovered. And that is a whole lot of coincidences. That's a whole lot of coincidences. And when you look at it with a critical eye, you have to start to ask you, are they just coincidences or not? It really, it really does lead to some serious questions. Clearly, we are not going to get answers today. But at least for us, there are questions worth asking. Especially as the coronation approaches and we wonder, what is Camilla playing for her children? What role would they play? We don't know the answers. But we know we have to ask the questions. It's true. We, we have to ask the questions. I mean, that is something that is even... Uh, part of what is taught in in the Bible. It's it's in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. I mean, in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, he says, "Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you." And if you go back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter thirty three, verse three, he says, "Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you a great and hidden things that you have not yet known." So that is the thing. We cannot be asleep. We have to be awake. We have to actually ask the questions. If we wake up and ask this question, seek understanding, and get to service through faith, maybe, just maybe, we can make a better world. Then they'll listen to what you have to say. They 
they're the ones who's coming up and the world is in their hands when you teach the children to jump the very best Just let it be. Na, 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 na. The world won't get no better. We gotta change it now. Just you and me. Wake up all the doctors, make the old people well. They're the ones who suffer and who catch all the hair. It's time to build a new land I know we can do it If we all lend a hand The only thing we have to do Is put it in our minds Surely things will work out They do it every time The world won't get no better If we just let it be
each and every day. Teach the children. Teach the baby. Teach the babies. Teach the children. Teach the children. Teach the babies. Teach the children. Isn't that wonderful? We need to wake up. That's right. Got to wake up. We can't do it alone. Can't do it alone. We can't be asleep. Because unless we ask the right question, Sussex Squad Nation, and push back against hate, many of us will suffer. And when it comes to Waking up. Now I think something like, I don't know how to look at it, funny or sad. It's the whole Fragmore fiasco. This is obviously a PR disaster. It begs the question whether or not it's simply occurring just to distract. I mean, right? it definitely it does definitely does in the context of what we were just talking about about this whole idea for a plot and a takeover to succeed. You need to distract from what's happening over here with some some nonsense over there. For sure. I mean, it's clearly. I mean, distraction is definitely the name of the game for this for these people from a long time ago. So, I think this is obviously just another uh, another convenient ploy. The thing that's that they maybe don't appreciate if it is that if that is the case that that's what it is then it seems like they maybe don't fully appreciate the negative consequences of that approach because to lady sussex's point it this what they have just done with frogmore cottage is ridiculous it is a nightmare from a pr perspective and it is not a good look especially as the the coronation is approaching i'll tell you I couldn't say it better than Dr. Shola, the incredible Dr. Shola. So I'd like to let you guys listen to her because I think I'm not so sure if you guys seen her on um, Jeremy Vine, I believe, show that she was on. So... Let's take a listen. To- I find it repugnant the way King Charles continually demonstrates such lack of good judgment and poor character on a number of issues, but particularly with Harry and Meghan. I have no doubt in my mind that the eviction of Harry and Meghan from Frogmore Cottage is not a spontaneous thing. I, I'm sure it's been in the offing for a while, but this was an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone, one payback for Harry's book, Spare, and two, to distract the public from King Charles's first political role, uh, role over Brexit because of his meeting with the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. I, I, you know, we can all see through this. But the fact that King Charles 
as a father, decided that he's going to use his power and king uh, as king to take from Harry and Meghan a home bestowed upon them by the queen, a home renovated at Meghan's cost, and knowing fully well the security issues around them um, because this is their second home and Meghan has had you know death threats. The fact that he made the choice to do this shows a level of, I would say, pathetic pettiness and cruelty that is unworthy of a king. Okay. Charles continually places the royal family in such significant reputational risk. I find his character and judgment totally substandard. You cannot tell me, Jeremy, that with all of the wealth and properties they have, that they do not have a home available for one of their most disreputable and inglorious members of their family, Prince Andrew. This is nonsense, right? As I said, they're trying to kill two birds with one stone. And let me tell you this. For anyone trying to raise the point that, well, the, the, the uh, Frogmore Cottage is mostly empty. I'm sorry. A number of people have second homes. And yes, the second home is empty until they come there. That's none of your business. When Harry and Meghan choose to come to England, choose to use their Frogmore Cottage, that's none of your business. The fact that it's empty is not a reason to give it to Andrew. But I'm sure Harry and Meghan will be fine. I have no doubt they have enough money to buy and not the property of their own. They're going to have to figure out security. Security, but I'm saying that King Charles right now, now okay. this is not what a good father does. And there's more. Again, I think it was the wrong decision. Let's understand every single time people talk about Harry's book. The reason Harry had to write that book was because his father, via his stepmother and his brother, kept throwing him and Meghan under the bus. They kept selling stories about them to cover their own butts. This is the problem. And so Harry, I feel, had no choice to come out and just put what he needed to put out there. And people conveniently forget that the royal family did it first. The, re the reason Harry and Meghan had to leave being se senior royal duties is simply because they had no protection, no covering. They kept, they, they were continually betrayed. Now, King Charles's response to his failure as a father to protect his son and his, his daughter-in-law is to commit more failure by continually throwing his son and Meghan under the bus. There's no doubt in my mind that the reason why Charles and William continue to be so petty to Harry is because they do not like Meghan. And I also think James O'Brien was brilliant. And I think the scribe did an incredible job. Like, I mean, you guys, please, 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 for those of you who just, you know, turning to our channel and probably not familiar to facts and two cents, pebbles, she, the whole week, like she was on fire. She was, she was killing it. And you have the one and the only Royal Sussex. And I'll tell you, please, my listener, there is one very, very special woman that we need to give her a little bit more attention because in my book, she is a scholar. She is a brilliant analyst. She is, how would I describe a, um, an historian? She does not describe herself such as I am. It's because she is that brilliant. It's Miss Ivy from 
Sussex Global UK. I mean, she did this show, guys. I mean, I don't know if you had guys have a chance um, to check it out. I mean, it was incredible. And please, again, to those of you who may not be familiar to her channel, Sussex Global UK, please go and check it out. She did the show, this show called, um, her last show was Tales of Two Dukes of Sussex. Oh, my God. It was so good, guy. So God, please check it out because I think a lot of even the stuff that we discuss will make some sense to you all. So please check it out and let's support all the other channels because I mean, when I mean like this week, they were on point, they were on fire and they were killing it and they wasn't having it. They were showing up receipts and they were asking the tough and hard questions. Please, guys, please support these channels. And to get back to our conversation, as I said before, James O'Brien, which maybe we should take a listen at what he had to say. Just imagine that Charles was persona non grata with the right-wing media and that he had betrayed... This is how you'd write it. Charles betrays his late mother's wishes by depriving Harry of a home in England's green and pleasant land. I'd add that bit as well, a little bit of William Blake there. You can almost hear Hubert Parry tuning up in the background. Cruel Charles, callous Charles. I can't quite get the alliteration. Just sounds a, 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 a tricky, cheesy doesn't work. So cruel Charles deprives, betrays. Cruel Charles betrays late Queen's wishes by stealing Harry's home. Second line, Harry and Meghan denied, denied, denied place in England's green and pleasant land by jealous parent. You see how it would work? Because the Queen gave them a house and he's taken it away. So betraying the late Queen's wishes. That, that is how Churlish Charles, thank you. Churlish Charles, yeah, Churlish Charles. I, it's, it's tricky that because you're weighing up the, the, the alliteration with the stronger adjective. So cruel Charles is much stronger. Churlish Charles. Churlish Charles works pretty well, actually. Churlish Charles steals Harry's house. There it is. Churlish Charles steals Harry's house. Second line, late queen cruelly betrayed by brutal eviction. That's the story, by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Churlish Charles has stolen Harry's house. The late queen wanted him to have it. He spent 2.3 million quid tarting it up and money he repaid actually to the public purse after stepping down from royal duties and lo and behold Charles has demonstrated his according to newspapers he's demonstrated let me tell you what the Daily Mail have to say about it because we could always do with a laugh um, Charles evicting Harry and Meghan from Frogmore is the act of a king putting his country first I love showing you how twisted the media is because if you're not an anorak like me you probably don't notice so that headline could easily be exactly the same story churlish charles steals harry's house we've got it callous king callous king steals harry's house that's come from grant he's he's doing a shift as a sub-editor today home is better than house thank you we're doing this together callous king steals harry's home Brutal betrayal of late Queen's wishes. That's that's it, right? 
Callous King Steals Harry's Home, Brutal Betrayal of Late Kit Queen's Wishes. And then you'd have people like Amanda Platel writing articles about how terrible he, he's trampling upon the grave of his beloved mother. It's so awful. It's just pathetic. It is absolutely, it's the infantilization of a nation. I mean, it's been underway for hundreds of years, but occasionally the, the absurdity, the hypocrisy, the base corruption of it is so irresistible. So what are you guys' thoughts? Because I know for me how I'm going to choose to address it. Well, like I said at the beginning, it's it's remarkably stupid. And it is so stupid that it really does make you wonder if there's not some other reason behind it. Because it's like, how can you possibly miss the mark so badly if there's not some other intention, some other driving force behind it? Which is, just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. But still... I mean, they. It seems like if that is the case, it seems like a miscalculation on the the damage that it does to to their um, reputation. What about you, Charles? I agree with what George says, but I think there's something else missing too. I think this is what happens when you get stuck in your own echo chamber. I truly wonder how much these people actually know about what's going on and what people really think. Are they just surrounded by sycophants who basically have no clue of what their reputation is, how, what the damage they've been suffering, what people actually think? Are they just so isolated from the rest of the world that they just believe people are nice to them? I think it has to go beyond the fact that I'm sure there is many things that are at play here beyond that. Um, but I think it also just must be that they just, they, they don't understand the severity of what they've got themselves into. And I think that is not just for this particular case, but also for the entire situation behind Harry and Meghan, because it's gone so badly for so wrong for so long and that, um, and how it's impacted everything else. Um, so I think, um, I think it's certainly devastating. Uh, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, if it gets better. But um, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a systemic issue. I don't think it's an issue that basically just revolves around a few people. To your point, this is why I decide to write this letter. And here we go again. Me writing. I mean, I enjoy writing. But reading English is not really my forte. I don't really enjoy reading it because many times I cannot even pronounce my own words. So, but, you know, I am in this space at the moment where I feel like I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do be me. And that is probably the only way I feel like will be appropriate at this moment to express my feeling. So, Sussex Rod, pray for me that I get through it <laughs> and be patient with me um, as I go through this open letter. Dear Sir, Your Royal Highness, Your Majesty, I hope this letter finds you well and you will find in this letter nothing but an open honest perspective 
in the spirit of fairness. This letter is not a threat, nor is a demand letter. It's not a lawyer's letter, nor is attached to anybody from Prince Harry or Princess Meghan. This letter is sent to you by a member of the Sussex Squad, writing my perspective and beliefs. Though I do suspect many of my fellow squad members, and even those who do not claim the label, will share this sentiment. Your Majesty, are you even remotely aware of the PR disaster you have caused by allegedly evicting your darling boy from his home? Because after all, that is how you refer to Prince Harry, as your darling boy, isn't it? From everything that is publicly known, the late Queen Her Majesty, who only very recently departed this world, was by many accounts, including, if I'm not mistaking your own, one of the most beloved queens. She ran for 70 years. And we, this global community in those final years of her reign, had other nonsense and despicable garbage shove at us about Prince Harry and Princess Meghan. Disrespect for the Queen. Had they did not respect her role, authority, or even her humanity. None of that is true, of course. In fact, quite the opposite. They both have upheld their promises to the queen and continue to live her life of service and respect. Yet your latest actions force the question, who is it really that doesn't respect the late queen? And we, this global community, Remember the sting and the hurt and the attack on our collective dignity. When the Byron show, beautiful, lovely, and smart Megan entered the family. And as a wedding gift, was giving the dilapidated servant's quarter to sleep in. Hmm. We remember that historical monument, Fragmore Cottage was falling apart, didn't we? Regardless of Harry and Meghan Harville in need of repair. Yet, due to the smear campaign by the media, Harry and Meghan were forced to break royal protocol and pay for many of those repair and renovations themselves, just as they had to do for the wedding. We remember. We remember when that smear campaign not only forced your child to flee his own home for safety, but that they continue to pay money in the form of rent. Make that make sense. For their own home. Utterly nonsense. And we, this global community, see what you are attending to do. 
And we will not stand for it. You're attempting to steal that which was given as a gift. You are attempting to throw your own darling boy out of his home. Out of his own country. Your majesty, you are disrespecting the memory and trampling upon the wishes of your late mother, the queen. Not even six months after she passed away. How could you, sir? How could you? You're demonstrating a total lack of respect and grace. And it is for that reason this letter is written. I know I'm not the only one who would urge you to reconsider your current plan to evict your own darling boy from his own home. And it's not just your darling boy and his wife, but it's also your grandchildren. Prince Harry and Princess Meghan have made it all of us proud. And despite of all ads, they have succeeded to be able to provide for themselves, their family, and also for their own protection and security. What's more, despite efforts to undo them, they have succeeded in serving their community. The world and especially the people of your island who you claim to rule. They have done and are doing the work that you and your eldest son ought to be doing. I urge you, your majesty, to reconsider. It is my hope that you find the path of grace and respect and dignity before you ascend the throne. However, your majesty, if you do not, then we respectfully request that you pay back your debt over $3 million in renovation costs, as well as subsequent rent payments to your darling son, daughter-in-law. Now, Your Majesty, I recognize that due to the idiocy allowed to prevail, your country resulting in Brexit, you might even personally be feeling some tightness in your own wallet. However, Your Majesty, the ADRC is resulting, cascading consequences on your own country. The poverty, the hunger, the illness, and not to mention the homelessness. Those, in fact, are all the more reason why you ought to repay your debt, Your Majesty. Because Prince Harry and Princess Meghan and the network of communities that they support, do more for your islands, people than anyone in your or your son court. I will not even begin to touch on the subject of the horror and gifting this new renovated property to your disgrace, brother. And I won't spend time on this speculation that Prince William wanted Fragmore for himself. Maybe to make use of this supposed fantastical floating yoga studio. Oh, by the way, if that is exists, please ensure it's intact along with all renovations when he's returned to Prince Harry and Princess Meghan. And finally, Your Majesty, should appeal to reason fall on deaf ears, I will remind you, Majesty, of your new role as a head of the church. I am sure you are familiar with Romans chapter 4, verse 4. 
Riches, like a debt owned, must be paid. And as a Christian to a Christian, I will urge you, Your Majesty, to act in accordance with your tenet of our fate. And Your Majesty, if the property is not returned, or the full debt paid prior to your coordination, interest charge will begin to accrue. And yes, Your Majesty, debt collection agency may begin arriving at Kensington, knock on the door. But I do hope it does not come to that. And that in fact, Your Majesty, you will reconsider your current cause of action. Because I do believe that deep down, you do wish to rule as a king for your people. That is, of course, boring the true princess of well eloquence if your Rottweiler wife let you. Sincerely, in Sussex love, Lady Sussex. So, happy Sunday. Wherever you are, I hope you have an amazing week. A safe one because it will get better it have to be better so please George can you read it's a poem by E.H. life is unpredictable it changes with the seasons even in your coldest winter it happens for the best of reasons and though it feels eternal like all you'll ever do is freeze I promise spring is coming, and with it, brand new leaves. Amen. Amen. So, let's worship together. It will get better. It has to be better. And we must carry on, moving on. Happy Sunday. Goodbye. Come on, everybody, put your hands together. It's got to get better. All over the world. Listen to these words. People come. People come. People go. Your life has been out of control. You're confused. But don't worry. Don't worry.